Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Stay with me, church. When I was a boy and into my teenage years, I had uh, had my fair share of accidents. Things would break and inevitably get cut open and need stitching back up. And mum was the, uh, the go-to nurse, unless I had to go to the actual nurse. And I'd go to mum, and, and you know, when, when you've injured something, you, you give it more care than you would normally. Like a busted knee or a busted arm, you, you nurse it and you, you, you carry it, you cradle it, you know, you you kind of hide it so it doesn't get more pain inflicted on it. And uh, you come hobbling to mum or, you know, she could tell something was amiss and she'd have to coax it out of me. Like, what have you done? Nothing, but it's obvious it was something. And through a, a, a process of of questioning and and coaxing it out of me, I'd, you know, either pull up my, my, tr- my shorts to reveal a cut-open knee or a busted finger or, you know, things stuck in my eyeballs. And, uh, you know, I, I went through quite a lot of painful scenarios. I love my mum immensely, and about five weeks ago, mum died. And I thought I knew pain, and I had no idea what pain was. My God. When mum died, it was agony. Still is. Agonizing. Losing a parent or a loved one, and if you have here today, I'm so sorry. Because the pain is just from a whole other world. You don't have to hide it from Jesus, though. You don't have to hide your pain just as I'd run to my mom bent and bruised and buckled, and the only way she could help me was when I led her into the pain. And I want you to know this morning, whatever's gone on in your life or in your heart, if you're a young person or if you're an old person, you don't have to hide it from Jesus. That this morning, in your heart, you can invite Jesus into that place of pain and the great physician will just walk on in 
the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You know, that guy, he's got all those great names. Well, he's more than a name, and he's more than a list, and he's more than a thought. He is a person. And you don't have to hide it from Jesus. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to push it down and, and tuck it away. And this morning, that's why I'm on my knees in, the, in church, because the pain is still so real. And the pain right now in my heart, the pain has no end in sight. But Jesus is always there. Every time it hurts. Every time it's too real to comprehend. Every time I think I'm going to surely wake up from this. Surely when dad comes in two days' time, mum will be with him. There's this child in me that just keeps wanting to believe she's not really gone. There's this adult that speaks logic and knows that she is. But And if you're here this morning and you're in a scenario, maybe not my scenario, but a scenario that is similar, I want to let you know Jesus is here for you and we're here for you. And you don't have to hide the pain from Jesus. He's not afraid of it and he's not ashamed of it. And it may be the greatest doorway to untold freedom. God bless you. And as you take your seat this morning, I'm just going to pray for you before I uh, get into my message. Jesus, I thank you that you're present. You're always present, but I thank you in this moment, you're particularly present to minister to our hearts as we're all gathered here as your church, your your whanau, your bunch of oddballs that you've drawn together to be your body of C3 Church Topor. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're near the brokenhearted. We thank you that you put the orphans in families. That even as you hung on the cross, you looked down on John and on Mary. And even in your dying moments on the cross, you said, here is your mother and here is your son. You're putting families together even as you suffered on the cross. What a guy, my gosh. Bless your body and bless your people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I didn't want to bring the service, you know, super, super somber, but that was a great moment. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it too. God was very present for me, and I hope He was very present for you. Great worship. Well, welcome to church this morning. And, you know, so I've just got to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed from the buying of life in the fast lane. So um, thank you. Still low, but that's all right. We're just, you know, going to rebuild from last week. We start our fast, our church-wide 30-day fast tomorrow. So if you weren't uh, here last week, that's, um, you know, it was, I wasn't talking about the Eagles song. I was talking about living life uh, in the fast lane, living a life that um, intentionally fast. So we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, more this morning. And um, I'm so excited for all that lies in front of us over the next 30 days, for us 
corporately as a church, but also for you as an individual, as you fast and as you pray and as you seek God. So uh, Matthew, I just want to remind us or go back to the scripture I spoke on uh, last week. And when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, that first public kind of address to the, to the masses, um, he talks about fasting. And I just want to touch on the scripture before I get into my message. And I want to warn you, um, this, this week I have eight points. Yeah. I don't normally preach points, but when I do, I make up for an entire year's worth in one message. So um, you're getting eight this morning, and you're getting none for the rest of the year. So um, you note takers and you list makers, it is your lucky day. So, uh, but Matthew 6 is this, when you fast, not if you fast, or maybe one day you will, but when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face. So oh, that's a news flash for most of the men. You should do that when you're not fasting as well. Wash your face. I like Ariki with no beard. That new person is not new. He's just got a whole new look. And um, he's washed his face by cutting his beard right off. But... um. So it won't be obvious, obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to God, your Father in heaven, who is unseen, and uh, your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. What an encouraging piece of Scripture. When you fast, God sees it, and He rewards you. In that same message, He says that about prayer. When you pray in secret, God will reward you. He says that about generosity, when you give, God will reward you. And he also says it about persecution. When you face persecution from all sorts of areas and you endure it like a, a good Christian, God will, will reward you. So, um, so I'm just reminding you of this, that, that fasting, when Jesus addresses it in the Sermon on the Mount, he's addressing it as like he's expecting us to do it. And not just them back then, but us right now, the, the current believers on earth. When you fast, this is how to do it. So we are beginning our fast tomorrow. Uh, I spoke a little bit last week. We're going to be doing the Daniel fast. Others are doing variations of that. Some people are fasting like day on, day off. Some people, depending on their workload or the physicality of their job, will maybe fast a meal a day. You could try fasting coffee, but you know... Don't set the bar too high. Uh, <laughs> whatever. But you know, it, should be, it, should, it should involve a certain amount of sacrifice. Like you should hear this little voice inside you saying, have some coffee. You need coffee. You need a Snickers bar. You know, you need to go to BP and have a 12-pack of Krispy Kreme. You know, all that. You never know when it's going to be your last, so you better eat twice as many as you normally would. That's the voice, and it's, it's not a voice. It's a hormone called ghrelin working inside of you. This is a little biology lesson. It's the hormone produced inside you called the hunger hormone. And I guarantee you, as soon as you wake up to fast tomorrow morning, your stomach will rumble like there's a stray dog trapped inside your body, growling away. And your wife will say to you, what was that? And you'll say, I thought it was you. And it travels through your bloodstream to your brain to tell you you're hungry, you need to eat something. And Greeland's main 
function is to increase appetite to make you consume more food. And within a day of beginning a fast, your ghrelin levels don't go down, they go up. And this can, they continue to go up over the course of weeks. And this hormone is produced in your stomach. Uh, when it's empty and it enters your bloodstream and it communicates to you, you need to eat, you are hungry, you need to survive. It's a natural response to your body to protect you from starvation. Now, I want to give you a word of wisdom. You're not going to die of starvation. You're going to make it through the 30 days. You're going to get there. So when your tummy rumbles and when those things happen, it's happening not to tell you to eat. Well, it's, it's physically telling you to eat, but it's spiritually telling you to pray, telling you to seek God, telling you this is why I'm fasting, not just so I can sit and endure it and put up with it, but it would be the catalyst to prayer, the catalyst to intercession, the catalyst to uh, seek God more more diligently and more fervently than maybe I would be normally. This is a fast, not a diet. We're not fighting fat, we're fighting the devil. Okay, diet fights fat, fasting fights devils. There you go. Don't get it around the wrong way. Your diet is not going to push the devil back, but you fasting and you praying and you interceding and you're intentionally putting more space in your day to pray and to seek God is going to move things in your life that maybe right now feel stuck or immovable or impossible. When you fast and pray, it is like supercharging your spiritual life. I gave you enough car examples last week, so I won't go on endlessly this week. You can ask me about superchargers later if that went totally. You're like, I don't even know what a supercharger is. It's like using your hairdryer on hot. <laughs> so this morning's title of my message is The Path of Pleasant Pain. The path of pleasant pain, you can write that down. The path of pleasant pain. I don't know if you've ever been on a walk with someone who is far more passionate about the walk than you are. Almost every day. Going to the letterbox. My gosh, like, can we get the mail courier to the door? But somehow you have been convinced by the more passionate counterpart to go on this walk. Or maybe it's not a walk. Maybe it's a bike ride. Maybe it's... Probably not a, sh a shopping trip because most people, are, women are, are like really excited about that. Maybe it's a fishing. Maybe you just don't have time in your schedule to do this certain thing. But this is the person in your life who convinces you, you got this is a par of paramount importance. And they'll normally say something to you like this that will get you over the line or that, if nothing else, will keep you moving on the journey once you have commenced and then, therefore, and then are regretting it. Like two steps in. Oh, man, I'm sure I left something in the car. No, I drove and I have the key, so we, we, we're going to walk to the end. But he said, you'll, they say this, you'll thank me later. I know right now you're hating it. I know right now you're not. But trust me, I've been there before and the view was worth it. I've been there before and the fishing, I've been there before and the deals, they're so worth it. Like the It's half price so you can buy three times as much. That's how sales work and you're still saving. 
It's words that imply that even though right now you're hating this, you're going to end up loving it. I've been here before. I know how good it is, how rewarding it is, how great the view is, etc., etc. The pain is worth what it is going to purchase you. And over the duration of the fast, you're going to need people in your life telling you the pain is worth what it will purchase. Don't quit. Don't stop halfway up the hill. Go all the way to the top. Don't stop halfway through the journey. Make it through to the end. So I know Jesus is talking about doing it in secret, but he's not saying doing it isolated. So do it with a community of people who are like-minded, got the same idea going on, and run the race together that when one falls, someone may help them up. When it's tough for one, the other person can encourage them along. And, and you need those people in your life that are going to say, I know it's tough, and I know you're right now not enjoying it, but I fully believe it is worth what it is going to purchase you. So keep going down the road. Keep on the pleasant or the path of pleasant pain. So, men, over the duration of the next 30 days, from Monday to Friday, I will personally be here in this building from 6 to 7 a.m., that's the morning, praying and reading my Bible. You're welcome to join me, and I'd thoroughly be thoroughly pleased if you turned up here to pray, read your Bible with me. You don't have to come for an hour. You can come for 10 minutes. You can come for 60. doesn't matter. But what I am giving you is an invitation every day to have someone tell you, keep going. It's going to be worth it. I'm believing for you. I'm in it with you. You're not alone in this. You're not the only one hungry. You're not the only one wanting a, a creamy mushroom and bacon pie from the pie ticky shops at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, you're not the only one who wants a king-sized block of chocolate at 10 o'clock at night. You're not, you're not the only one. You know, these light and momentary afflictions are working in you in eternal glory. You're not in it alone. So I'm going to be here. And you need to be here praying for your wife if you have one. And you need to be here praying for your wife if you don't have one but you want one. You need to be here praying for your children if you have them. And you also need to be here praying for your children if you don't have them but you want them. And if you do have them, you need to be praying to God, help me to keep wanting them. Keep wanting them. But we're going to, and I'm, so I'm giving, so I want to help keep you on the path of pleasant pain. So tomorrow morning, six o'clock, doors will be open. There'll be some semi-romantic music playing. And we're going to be into it. But here we go. I'm going to hit you with eight points. But I'm going to hit you with a scripture first. It says this, Corinthians 2. Or 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore do not lose heart, this is brilliant, though outwardly we are wasting away, like you're not going to waste away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So your light and momentary troubles, and as you go through this fast, you will feel troubles, you'll feel tensions, you'll get... You know, you'll, as you cut sugar out of your diet, it might make you a little bit cranky. Maybe if you cut sugar, uh, 
coffee out. It may give you headaches. It may be change your, uh, your mental stability momentarily, your, your physical stability. But these they're achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Other translations say this, our mo- lighter momentary troubles are working for us. They are producing for us or they are preparing for us something that has an eternal glory. Fasting is one of the light and momentary afflictions that if we embrace it and if we lean into the pain, it purchases for us something that otherwise could not be obtained. Fasting achieves, fasting works, fasting produces, and fasting prepares. And as we go into this as a church, you're not going into it alone. We're all going into it together. And you've you got to know that your fasting for your family is achieving something. Your fasting for your breakthrough is working something. The fasting for that miracle is producing something. You're fasting, you're, these momentary afflictions that that's, may be inconvenient and may be difficult, but as you lean into it and as you don't quit, but, but keep pressing on, these things are producing for you something that otherwise may not materialize. As you empty yourself physically, as we, as we allow these desires for all this other stuff to drain out, you will find God flooding in. As we tune out of the static of the world, we hear with far more clarity the frequency of heaven. And it takes a while for the static to die down. Eat that thing. Go back on Facebook. Go back on Instagram. Every, you're missing out. Like so much is happening now you're not on Facebook. There's no more happening. It's probably worse because you're not on it. But here we go. Eight points. Don't freak out. Fasting was an expected discipline in both the Old and the New Testament eras. This is not new news. This is not some modern day thing. This has been going on for the entirety of Christendom and beforehand, before it was Jesus Christ, through the forefathers of our faith, men and women, have fasted in times of breakthrough, times where they needed spiritual clarity, times where they needed answers, and God to move on behalf of people or nations, people have always fasted. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of the first love for the Lord and result in a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Hungering or fasting is hungering for God. Not hungering for other things, but intentionally hungering after God. And when we fast, it rejuvenates. It takes us back to that moment of our salvation, that moment of when we found Jesus Christ, when we fell on our knees, when we realized He was a sinner and we were a sinner and He was a Savior. Fasting brings us back. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. The New Testament tells us, humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that He may raise us up. 
Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition, resulting in brokenness, repentance, and a transformed life. When we strip away all the trimmings of life, And our default comfort sources like food, it reveals our true and inner spiritual condition. This is not something to be afraid of. God is not going to expose you. But He does want to rejuvenate you and renew you. Fasting will encourage the Holy Spirit to quicken the Word of God in your heart and His truth will become more meaningful to you. Fasting tunes you into the frequency of heaven and tunes you out of the annoying static of the world. It's that always going on. Cut through the static. Fasting can transform your prayer life into a richer and more personal experience. The idea of fasting is that we should be spending more time praying, not more time filling that space with other stuff or trying to be more productive. Fasting should give us the space and purchase for us time to seek God and enrich the relationship that we do have with Him. That's why these mornings are so important, just spending time with God. Fasting can result in a dynamic personal revival in your own life and make you a channel of revival to others. Like, we need revival first in our hearts, in our own lives, to become infectious Christians. Let the light be turned back on in here. Light up. Let it shine. Fasting can change circumstances when nothing else can. True story. They brought a demon-possessed person to Jesus, and Jesus said this only comes out by prayer and fasting. And I'm, I'm commissioning particularly fathers over this month you got to go after stuff for your kids. you got to go after stuff for your family. you got to go after stuff that, because things are after our babies. Depression's after our kids. Anxiety's after our kids. Drugs are after our kids. All, ho- all manner of horrible things are after our kids. You don't need to be afraid of it and hide them away and lock them up. But you need to be, speak wisdom and truth into their life. But you need to fast and pray and petition the Lord to move in their lives, to guard them, to protect them, to set them free. And as husbands and as fathers, this is our God-given role and privilege to stand on behalf of our family and pray, God, give my babies their miracle. I want to see them back in church. I want to see them worshiping you. I want to see them set free. I want to see them out of that crowd and in a new crowd. I want to see them delivered from that bondage of suicide, whatever it is. And as we pray and fast, there's some things that we just got to go to war over. I don't fully get it. But as you pray and as you fast on behalf of your family, I tell you the miracles are going to break open. 
God is going to move on your behalf. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.